In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, you all know the text of Lazarus and the rich man, so this should be an easy question for you. Which of the Ten Commandments is the text about? There's an extremely rich man, dressed in the finest clothes, stuffed with the finest food. And then there's an extremely poor man, longing to eat the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table, lying there in dust and rags with stray dogs coming up and licking his festering wounds. A greater contrast between two men is difficult to imagine, but Jesus will give it to us, because both of these men die, and one of them is carried by the angels to paradise, the home of the blessed, while the other is buried, and his soul goes to torment. And which is which? The rich man or the poor man? Which goes which way? It's the poor man, Lazarus, the one that goes to paradise, the one who reclines at Abraham's bosom while the rich man is in the agony of hell. Now there's a greater contrast, a contrast that couldn't be bigger. Lazarus is in peace and bliss and in life eternal. The rich man, on the other hand, is in hell. He's in torment, being forever devoured with flames. And we think, at least I do, well, that rich man probably got what he deserved. That guy was so stinking rich, he probably cheated and stole and extorted all sorts of people for that money. He stomped on the little guy. He, he, he thought he was so great with all of his wealth and all of his power. Well, God showed him. I don't know if a similar thought crossed your mind. But when we think like that, we think that this text is a seventh commandment text. You shall not steal. We want there to be something sinful about this really rich man. Something pure about this poor beggar Lazarus. So that the judgment that follows their death is making everything right. After all, it wasn't fair that this rich man was so rich and that Lazarus was so poor. So God will fix it all up after death. But this is not what the text says. First of all, the text says nothing about the sinfulness of the rich man. It doesn't say that his riches came in any dishonest way. It does not call him a thief or an extortioner. In fact, this, this, the text indicates that this rich man was a generous man. Even if all that we know about him was that he is kind enough to let this beggar Lazarus sit at his gate and beg, asking his friends and family for money as they came to eat dinner at his house. Now, could he have done more for Lazarus? Sure, but which of us would be delighted to let a, a poor, sick, homeless man sit on the edge of our driveway every day asking our friends and family for money whenever they come to visit? And more. Because Jesus is telling this story to get at the Pharisees, we can even say that the rich man would have been well-liked 
that he would have been looked up to in the community, that he was, in fact, by all standards, outwardly, a good man, a moral man, an upright member of society. We can even suspect that this man would have been commonly found in the synagogue. For later, when he and Abraham are having a a conversation and he's begging Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead, Abraham says of his brothers, they have Moses and the prophets. His whole family was a church-going family. Now, on the other hand, there is no reason to pile on Lazarus some sort of excessive virtue. The text doesn't call Lazarus good or upright. We don't know how he ended up on the street, But there is normally, at least from my own conversations with people who have no homes, there is normally some sort of vice there that breaks all of your ties with your family and also spends all of your money and destroys your wealth. Now again, we don't know this about Lazarus, but we do know that Lazarus at least coveted the food of the rich man, breaking the ninth and tenth commandments. So while we want to put all sorts of sin on the rich man and all sorts of good works on Lazarus, the text simply doesn't do it. In fact, this text is not about how it's bad to be rich and how it's good to be poor. What is really at stake here, what Jesus is really Uh, trying to impress upon us and push home into our ears and into our hearts comes out in the conversation between the rich man in hell and Abraham. And there we see that the question is not about money at all, but about something that the Lord uh, considers a far greater treasure. Here it is, then, the conversation. The rich man is in agony... And somehow, as Jesus tells it, he can see across this great gulf which exists between hell and heaven, and the rich man looks across and he sees there Lazarus resting in joy and in peace and in comfort and in joy. And here is how the conversation unfolds between the rich man and Abraham. He called out, Father Abraham, this is verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus just to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he's comforted here and you're in anguish. And besides all this, there is between us a great chasm fixed in order that those who would pass from here to there, which is hard to imagine anyone wanting to, may not be able, and none may pass from there to here. So then the rich man cries out that Abraham, if he cannot have mercy on him, would at least have mercy on his brothers. Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man said, and this is the most important word 
in the entire text. The most important word for us to understand, to understand what Jesus is teaching us here. The rich man says, No. No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. No, says the rich man to Moses and the prophets. No. It's not enough. We need something greater. We need a miracle or or some sort of sign from heaven. The words of Moses and the prophets, says the rich man, are not good enough. And that, dear saints, is why he is in hell. He despised God's Word. This man had everything the world had to offer. Land, possessions, food and drink, clothing and shoes. He had everything in the world except God's Word. Everything but God's promises. Everything but trust in the promise of forgiveness. And because of this one lack, this rich man is the poorest man of all. Lazarus, on the other hand, had nothing. No home, no food, no friends or family, no good reputation, no health, not even a moment of peace and and rest without the agony of hunger or the lick of a dog on his pussy sores. Lazarus had nothing. Nothing but God's Word. Nothing but Moses and the prophets. Nothing but the Scriptures and God's promise of mercy and kindness. And because of this, Lazarus possessed everything. Do you see that this text is not about the seventh commandment? but about the third commandment. It's about not despising preaching and God's Word, but hearing it and holding it sacred. For it is God's Word. It is Moses and the prophets and the apostles and our Lord Jesus Himself where we hear the Lord's love, where we hear His kindness and His mercy and His patience. It is in the Scriptures that we hear of the cross, the sacrifice of the very Son of God for us sinners. It is in the Scriptures where we know that the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins and we are forgiven. And this, dear saint, this, the Word of God, the Gospel, the promise of forgiveness, this is true riches. For the words of Moses, and the words of the prophets, the words of the apostles, and the words of our Lord Jesus are in them, are all of the treasures of heaven given to us, given freely. The treasure of God's name and the riches of His mercy and His forgiveness and His love. So our dear Lord Jesus puts this contrast of two men before us for our comfort and for our warning. First, 
the warning, Jesus says, and this is right before our gospel text, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. All the idols of this earth tempt us to think that they can protect us. And money is the greatest idol of all at this, at creating this illusion that if we have enough of it, we're safe and we're secure. And as soon as we believe this, our whole life becomes about getting enough. But idols are not satisfied until there is a human sacrifice, until our lives have been swallowed up in destruction, and like the rich man, everything is taken away. So be warned, but take comfort as well. For you, dear saints, you have not said no to Moses and the prophets. You have heard the words of the Scriptures, the words of Jesus Himself, the words of His forgiveness, the words of His love, the words of His resurrection. And even right now, you have His treasures in your ears. And in a few minutes, you will have His treasure in your mouth. No matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter how big your house is, how nice your clothes are, how fancy your meals are, you have the greatest riches of all. For you are at home in the very house of God. You are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, robes made white by being dipped in the blood of his lamb, and you have the greatest meal of all, the very body and blood of Jesus, given for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. You have all of the gifts of the word of God, of Moses and the prophets, Jesus and the apostles, you have them. And by these, dear saints, you are truly made rich. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.